Shout out Matt Killer, the Bronx Boys. We went a little bit overtime, but we'll talk. I ain't tripping, man. I'm just glad we was able to vibe out. Yeah, yeah man. So, any plugs uh, while you're here, brother, man? Like anything you want to shout out to our audience that is like listening right now in any capacity? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to all my music lovers out there. <laughs> And to my my crew, TBB, TBG, and uh, Cabo Flavor, and, and Apulian Black Connection from Southeast Italy, and uh, shout out to to um, uh, Stone Tone, uh, mm-hmm. my boy. He oh, he yeah. just he just made it to the 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 crew. He's uh, uh, the first uh, TBB. Bay Area chapter officialized since today. So yeah, yeah uh, shout out to the This Is a Test Radio, which is a a radio that he hosts like once a month. Word. So you gotta you you gotta be definitely check it out on Instagram. This is a test radio. Shout yeah. Out. And then if you wanna check me out on IG, it's Matt Kilogram. M A T T K I L L A G R A M gram like Instagram, but in this case it would be Matt Kilogram, and a uh, Facebook as well. Um, Matteo Matt Killer Bertoia uh, TBB, uh, and also I have SoundCloud, which is like uh, Matt Killer Sound. Uh, M A T T K I L L A S O U N D Matt Killer Sound on SoundCloud and YouTube as well. 
Matt Kilogram TV, which is like same as uh, Instagram, but with a TV at the end, uh, mm. where I usually post my mashups, my remixes, and I used to do like few uh, short uh, films uh, mm -hmm. during the like the the pandemic when mm -hmm. like seriously there was n n nothing to do out out there and. Uh, getting bored so i get this creativity and yeah so if you want to check me out for sure and any events coming up any events events i know you got a b-boy jam coming up right uh b-boy jam there's gonna the, there's gonna be something's going on like uh in san jose like next saturday so not this saturday but the next um uh, the following Saturday in San Jose, mm -hmm. uh, there's gonna be like a two and two B boy jam, uh, hosted by Future Show, Nessie Ray, Ooh, uh, yeah. Squadron, um, uh, Headhunter Screw from uh, San Jose area. Um, now I don't remember exactly where's that, but yeah, check them out. Uh, Future Show um, on IG. And then you can, uh, if you might wanna uh, um, get updates on uh, whatever is gonna happen into the dance community, like the Bay Area dance community, you can uh, uh, check the page, uh, the group, the Facebook group on Facebook, of course. <laughs> where it's called uh, the Bay Area Dance Community page on Facebook. And that's where we always like post all the um, weekly schedule about the session. Even if you never, um, um, if you never uh, have a chance to uh, start like uh, uh, any kind of street dancing, like could be like locking, popping, or strutting, or uh, b-boying, you can uh, uh, check on this page of the schedule so if you want to try to get him you know get started like to um to the get involved into the art form you can definitely check it out and uh, uh, usually the session are open to all levels so don't feel like uh that if you ne never um dance before i mean uh, the people the gonna be like gonna be like a pleasure to share some knowledge and stuff like that and also they have uh the all the events uh coming up schedule for the like in the next few months and uh, we always try to keep it like uh updates and a big shout out to uh, last of virtuoso uh, uh b-boy crew from the bay area they they yeah. they <laughs> like yeah they doing pretty good out there and shout out to dj davis miles mm -hmm. um yeah lots of virtuoso and um eel flavor reject crew san diego bay area so we just uh we play at the pop-up battle last night in fremont at the cave dance studio shout out to itzel and uh, b-boy lando uh oakland originals lost of virtuoso all this community uh, is, it's I mean, uh, since I moved here in the Bay, 
uh, I really like uh, felt like uh, uh, welcome and uh, appreciate and this uh, wonderful community. So uh, you definitely have to check check us out. <laughs> and yeah, so feel free to reach us out for wherever. So yeah, this is it. Yeah, so Matt Killer, thank you for being in here. Thank you for everybody streaming. Just a couple announcements before I go. This is just the community aspect, and I always like closing out with this. You know that I always close it out with this part, which is uh, in honor of my late mother. There's a link in my link tree over on my bio on Instagram for Kung Fu Cap to donate to Canon Keep, which was the community where my that place gave my mom a sense of community. And in honor of her memory, I always plug this link. And if you guys are able to shoot a buck or two to their uh, website to where it says donate, that goes a long way. And that will mean the world to me and help me out through the grieving process. As I am still going through it after over a month. Uh, the last I want to close on this behalf is uh, for an old mentor of mine. Uh, it hits close to home for me. So this uh, incident occurred after the dubs one. And this was out on 21st and Mission, not too far from over here. Actually, you blocks up from over here at Mutiny Radio. Uh, my mentor, Anthony Pele Navarro, he was a well-respected educator community organizer and friend to all here in the Bay Area, especially within the progressive folks. Uh, we wrong, he was wrongfully assaulted by the SFPD while peacefully celebrating uh, the Golden State Warriors win for the NBA Finals. And congrats to the dubs. I'm super happy. But uh, he was roughed up by, the one pol you know, by one police officer as he was put to the ground. He got markings on his face and all that. Uh, the main source, I believe, from that is under Nina Parks. So shout out to Nina Parks on behalf of that. Uh, as somebody that has that power in the format, I'm utilizing this platform to uh, spread awareness to please help and hold the SFPD accountable for their actions. If you or anybody that was around on, uh, I believe, June 16th was the date. Uh, on that evening after the dubs won over on Mission and 21st, and you have footage to help with this brother's case because there's a case against them to um, help help assist with his case so that he can win, but so they not even win, drop this case. That way it gives our community peace of mind as if there isn't enough animosity in this world. And that's why I do what I do here at Mutiny Radio Mind over beats. The beatnik is to bring community together. And with that being said, uh, I want to wish everybody a happy Friday. I wish everybody here nothing but peace, love, unity, having fun. And yeah, like, I'm just glad to have y'all here. So Matt Killer, uh, Asterisk through IG Live, Noni on the film, and then even Yantris for stopping by and everybody that was on the stream, IG, everything. I I wish y'all nothing but the best and love and all that. So 
we closing now. We will we a little bit over time. Sorry, Pam. <laughs> but we had a great time and I hope y'all did too. Y'all take care. Be safe. Be good to one another. This is your brother AKA signing out. Peace. umbrella that's the kind of broadcast they're having right now this end k radio station that begins with the letter k well it's k country all the time kind of thing yeah k l country country oh, car conti- wash car wash that's my ticket continuous country here on kkk <laughs> kcc kcc i'm stealing that What's the steal? You're gonna say the words KKK on stage for that pun? Don't do um, it. It's not worth in it. US country. Hi, do you yeah. have the car wash that will fix my car? But I'll start with the whole bit of like W radio stations. Yeah, right. K radio stations. That's, flip, that's freaking you out. The radio stations start with the letter K. Just, I mean, like, I know it's okay. So. Oh, here we go, our friends. He's he... Look how much smoke is in that thing. Dynamite. Dynamite. Slap. Give me five. Oh my god, yeah, there you go. That's a shopping cart right there. Now we never saw. Is that what happened? It was his car that hit the shop. Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay, okay. I want this is the fourth time I've okay. Now look, he's put his car through the car wash, and guess what he sees? He sees an Eleanor just by coincidence. Shut up. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty bad. That's yeah, that's a bad movie rule. Yeah. Right? Six people in the universe and the six persons a killer. He just happened to find the same fucking make. Yeah, coincidence is never good in a plot, but sometimes it is. Yes, when it serves the plot, but it when it serves your good guy to get out of trouble. No, that's not good. Like one of my biggest beefs. That was lucky. Yeah, it is lucky, and also what a waste of our time. (laughs) Yeah, like it was. I hate when it it was all a dream. You wasted my time. You, you mean he he found the same car at the end. Now we right. Now we find out that the DJ is the one who owns the Eleanor. All the acting. Well, go ahead. Keep it up. Keep it up. No, I just I, I well, you know okay, people can watch the movie on their own now, and you know they can't. Is it gonna start, are they going to start a chain of events? No. <laughs> This is the end of their events. If this was final money. destination, they would park. They would knock over a milk carton that happens to be on the parking spot. The milk will pour into the electrical wires, causing a fire. So now everyone's on the lookout. The manager's like, well, sir, ma'am, I did not say we would rewash your car. What kind of car is it? It's a 1973 Ford Mustang. What? Now that wasn't a pricey car. It was just that it, the Mustang was never going to be again. 
This was the very last one. So everyone wanted to buy it, you see. Oh, she saw the beat up yeah. one and she thought right. it was Right, and she fainted. <laughs> Just like in Mark Swain's Prince and the Pauper. Right. To serve and protect. So they think they've got, you know, the owner of the car wash. They think they're arresting him because he's, it's his car. We got, we got him. Okay, now we have a tense moment in which the new Eleanor, you know, he might get caught by the cops. Right. He goes, where's the 10 freeway? He goes, just give me your license, buddy. Kirby shoes. Now we would say, where's route 10? But you snobs out in L.A. No, you just have so to say the. Where's the 10? Where's the 10? Where's the. You want it south or no? Can you tell me where root 10 is? You mean like a plant? Like a root? What do like you mean? Like a root? Oh, like the roots? So he goes, hey, wait a minute. You, hey. Uh-oh. You want to get to root 10, go straight and make a right. Oh, you mean the hey. 10 officer. You mean, the, yeah, I said uh, East Coast over here. Yeah, you know, a metric system out there. You know, here on the East Coast, we have WNEW, right home in the New York rocker. But in the, but the West Coast, Uni. there's a K. It would have to be KWNEW. What's up with yeah. that? What's going on? Canoe? Canoe? That's a, that's a different word, people. Yeah, a, no, you got the Los Angeles Carol Miller. Okay, turn it up. Turn it up. Oh, yes, finally the plots are going to. Leave it up. What are they going to notice? Billy. Yeah. Watch what the, our hero says. Be around, Billy. Right. Well, that, there goes the only interesting people we've seen so far. Oh, I got to vote for Peter Pinchon for uh, sure. Oh, shit, the, the car's on fire. Yeah. What? It, that's it? Directed. Now, look how it's superimposed. It really wasn't done in the 70s. Also, the soundtrack we heard was yeah. modernized because of some lawsuit kind of thing. You know, maybe the internet didn't tell me about the release because it wasn't. I don't know. No, it was released. It had to be. People well, it was it. on DVD, and but I don't know if it went in theaters. I don't know. Right. Look Toby this, was Toby. his nickname. Yeah, people called him Toby. His wife called him Toby. Oh, man, it's so funny. Like, everyone survived. The car was on fire, but it's okay. Long Beach, Long Beach Police, Carson, yeah. Long Beach Fire, Torrance, Redondo, Redondo, Los Angeles Sheriff, California yeah. Chips. This is makes it to be dream come true. Wait, God, this is crazy. Now, this was maybe made in 1989 after he died. Right. Now, look, this is scenes from, that's his wife. You see, it says Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah. This is scenes from Gone in 60 Seconds 2 in 1989. You can see how it's really on video. But it says 2000 on there. Yeah, I don't know why. This is 1989. Oh, I see. In 2000 is when the new film, Gone in 60 Seconds, came out. Maybe oh. they repurposed it for a promo. I don't think so, though. But no, this is vintage. This is for the sequel, Gone in 61 Seconds. 
He's also. Armenian American, and she's very pretty and nice in interviews and stuff. But she'll sue your ass if you try to use Eleanor. You try to oh. name it Eleanor. Yeah, it's that's her. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Good for her. That's savvy. <laughs> oh, Carl, what do you think of this movie? I love hated it. I I really think this guy was ambitious, and he pulled it together. <clears throat> And you were um, in the restroom at the time, but he made right. two sequels. One was called um, The Junk Man, and he again played Ace or whatever. And one was called Deadline Auto Thief, and again he played Adrian Pace. Except Do you think those movie, movies are on the YouTube? Yeah, maybe. We could search for them. It's called right. The Junk Man and Deadline yeah. Auto okay. Thief. Okay, The Junk Man just popped up. I think, is that what you want to see next time? Uh, well, I ha we have a movie set up for next week, but I think the next time we see a movie, we should probably see The Junk Man 1982. Okay, so, okay, The Junk Man. Are you okay with that, watching him yeah, again? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Um, let's go to that. You said you found a trailer? Well, yeah. Do you want to do the movie that we have lined up or just go straight to The Junk Man? Um, if this is your show, and you give me... The orders round here, both. Let's do uh, the junk man. Okay, the junk man. Let yeah. Me go to trailers. Right. Uh, let's. I hope we're. Okay. I hope there's a trailer. There best be. <clears throat> trailer: The Junk Man, 1982. Okay, give me a second. I'm gonna have to catch up. It's just the next video that Otto played was the junk man, so it was one of the few times I. Gotcha. I that, okay, uh, the junk, okay, there is the Junk Man original trailer, 1982, by Rust Billy, Rust channel. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, sorry. Oh, here we go. I got you. I'm gonna do Rust Billy. I'm gonna hit play and hit pause. Play okay, and then. Slide back to zero. Slide back. Get the, all right, let's get the sound going. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, we don't edit this shit out. All right, ready? And three, two, one, go. Joke man. Joke man. What? What? Chad DeLorean, you're talking too quickly. Oh, we saw some of the footage from number one. Oh, it's the same joke. Guys? Oh, the good year flip. It's been a good year. 
Oh my god. The country rap song. What family? Oh, all right, ladies and gentlemen. That was the joke, man. Fucking, I just thought Gone with the 60 Seconds was the craziest shit I've seen on uh, as a yeah. film. I was wrong. Take to the skies, too. God. Oh, people love this movie. It's all over YouTube. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, we just watched Gone with 60 Seconds from the great H.P. Uh, Halicki. H.P. Halicki. Halicki. We love H.P. Halicki, uh, who unfortunately passed away uh, in 89. And we are going to be uh, watching his movie from 82, The Junk Man, next Sunday at 2 p.m. So you can listen to it first on Mutiny Radio. You find mutinyradio.fm on your internet or on your uh, live streaming podcast uh, app. And yes, please, I didn't even mention that. Go to Patreon. Go to Venmo. Donate to uh, Mutiny Radio. We had just had a fundraiser, Carl. I don't know if you noticed it. I it was a fundraiser. It. it was a fundraiser. And somebody actually donated the, the full amount. Of right. The and you uh, suspected it was me. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't tag you to say that, Carl, good job for putting down that money. <laughs> I was like, hey, someone actually donated the entire some of the fundraisers. So we appreciate yeah. it here at Mutiny Radio, so uh, bring quality shows. As you know, Monday and Fridays, they have live comedy shows, as well as our station manager, Pam Benjamin, Jam Benjamin, has a lot of live shows throughout <laughs> the city of San Francisco. Check them all out. Uh, follow us on YouTube, follow us on Facebook, and uh, be our 39th follower on Twitter. Twitter Carl, yeah. what a pleasure. Thank you so much for, for researching you. it. I'm looking forward to the Junkman next yeah, week. Yeah. I'll see you then. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. You can watch if you want to. You can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. Mutiny! It's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny! It's, it's pronounced mutiny! Oh, my turn-offs are guys who say mutinag. Mutinag? Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. 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 Good evening, my name's Gladys. Uh, gonna try to be a little bit funny. God, it's so hard to remember how. Uh, I moved to a different city recently, and you know, when you do something like that, it can be so hard to meet new people. But boy, it's easy to meet old people. They are eager to talk. Just right, just right on the bus. That's how I met my grandpa, actually. Uh, during COVID, been up to a lot of writing. Get a lot of writing done. I wrote a prequel to Jaws. It's called No Sharks Here, Shark Free Town. I wrote a prequel to The Exorcist. It's called This Girl's Fine. 
She's normal and shit. I was in line at the bank with my boyfriend. He pointed at some of the tellers. He said, hey, marry, fuck, kill. And I said, uh, yeah, that's the plan. So I come, I come from one of those big southern families in the south, uh, the deep south, let me tell you. One of those places where they think that, like, Sprite is good for you because it's clear. And they reuse the name Chris a lot in my family. We got, like, four Chrises. We got little Chris. We got my cousin, big Chris. We have my brother, city Chris. And even though my brother is both taller than big Chris and has a lower BMI than little Chris, they call him city Chris because he got caught reading a book in a duck blind. And he never, never lived it down. Hey, a lot of people these days into polyamory. Uh, I don't know much about that life. Uh, I do know, from what I've observed, uh, if you're going to open up your relationship, if you're going to have like an open marriage, it seems like it's going to be a lot like opening up a good bottle of red wine. In that once you do it, once you open it, uh, it's going to last about five days. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm joking. But seriously, they can be so sanctimonious about it. They really believe that it's like not just falling in love with a bunch of people. It's a better way to live. I feel like sometimes they're saying to me, uh, hey, you know, I can have my cake and I can eat it too. And they're also saying, you know, cake eating, it's one of the highest virtues. And I'm a little more enlightened than you because of all the cake that I ate. I also hear him saying to me, hey, can I spend the night at your house because they are all mad at me. I, I can't go back to that apartment. I got the cake all over me. Now I need to take a shower. Uh, so I was at the library recently. I saw a sign for adult coloring time. You know about this? You know the coloring's not just for little kids and people that got hit really hard in the head, right? These days it's for adults to do right out in the open. And this sign, this sign of the library, here's what it said verbatim. It said, adult coloring time. Join us from 1 to 3 p.m. in the upstairs reading room. Or just stop by for however long you like. And that last part really tripped me out. Because, like, of all the things about adult coloring time, yeah, I know I can leave when I want to. Oh, this isn't the one where you lock the doors. This isn't the one where I have to keep going after my hand cramps up. Yeah, I know. Basically, most signs have that little subtext after it that you, you don't need. You know, like... They don't need to put class meets three times a week. Or never, if that's what you want. Just don't show up. This is a fire exit. Or just stay in the fire, bro. It's your life burned to death. In the hallway of this Ramada Inn. Howdy, folks. This is Finch bringing you another episode of Always Free Radio, the podcast and internet streaming radio show that is by, for, and about people that like to participate in Rainbow Gatherings. This show is brought to you on Mutiny Radio, and you can listen to it every week live on the internet on Tuesdays from 4 to 6 p.m. San Francisco time, that's Pacific time, on mutinyradio.fm. And if you miss the live show, you can also listen to it by downloading it as a podcast uh, by looking for the podcast called Always Free, that's A-L-L-W-A-Y-S-F-R-E-E, and it's all one word. You can look for it on wherever you get your podcasts, whatever your provider is. The, uh, the stand-up comedy that you just heard uh, was brought to you by Gladys uh, Emily Downing. 
and it was performed at the Pennsylvania Prism Rainbow Gathering this last summer uh, in 2021. Um, unfortunately, Gladys tragically lost her life a week ago on Tuesday, and the entire community is reeling from this loss. Um, she was an absolute titan, uh, a rainbow superstar. And she was also a stand-up comedian, so we are dedicating this episode to Gladys, and next part of the uh, show that you will hear is her full 30-minute stand-up act uh, at the same Pennsylvania Prism Rainbow Gathering. Uh, Gladys is survived by her twin babies, Gertrude and Elmer, who are going to be raised by their father now, and hopefully with a little bit of help from all of us. Um, we also suffered another tragic loss this week. John Buffalo uh, passed away on Monday, May the 2nd, and John was one of our most longtime and most dedicated family he did Shantasina for decades, and he, he participated in every part of Rainbow, and he will, he will be missed very, very much. Uh, finally, after, uh, after we listen to this next stand-up set, uh, there has been a flurry of Rainbow Gathering-related news uh, in the media recently. Colorado has figured out that the 50th anniversary Rainbow Gathering will be coming their way, and the newspapers are all trying to guess where it'll be, how many people are coming, what the impact will be, and all of us are watching and trying to see how many times the headline will say that we are descending on some mountain town or another. Uh, so enjoy the current event and news download. But first, we hope you will enjoy a few laughs with our favorite rainbow stand-up comedian. We love you, Gladys. This episode's for you. It's happening. It's happening. Oh, good evening. First of all, you guys, thank you so much for letting me practice. Oh, my God. It's been like a year, so uh, don't don't expect much. But, but this is a golden opportunity for me, and I'm so grateful. Um, also, I used up all my short jokes the other night, so let's, let's just get into it. Uh, my name's Gladys. I did move to New England for the wintertime. Uh, I know that's kind of unusual. I know a lot of people up here don't appreciate it. I hear, I hear them all the time. They fantasize about moving to Florida or Arizona or California, and they don't even know. I, I mean, I, I can tell what they're thinking. They're like, oh, I'm going to wear flip-flops all the time. I can lick a metal pole all year round. Uh, I'm going to wear a straw hat like in the Jason Mraz videos. But man, it's it that kind of thing can turn out with the darkness. Cause okay, basically when we don't share an objective reality that is the weather can kill you for half the year, hippies start thinking all the ideas in their head are right. It's terrifying. Just any idea that pops into their stupid little dreadlock head could be correct. You know, stuff like uh, vaccines cause autism. I should wear a more whimsical hat. Uh, you know what I should do? Start a start a chapstick company with weed in it. 
<laughs> That's what I should do with my entire life. Basically, I'm saying that you need the harsh winter time to press your hippies down. Man, you get out there, it starts getting kind of spooky. I mean, up in Vermont, it's great. Even our rednecks, like, you know, your eighth generation Vermonter, they're they're pretty they're pretty good. A, they've been to another country. They've been to Canada. B, you know, they just got that out of the gene pool a long time ago. If you couldn't hang out at a party 300 years ago, you had to go outside. And it's negative 30, and that's that's the end of you. You know, out west, somebody can't behave. They go outside. They're just outside. Right outside. Like, right fogging up the windows. Right out there. You're like, oh, people don't know so much. I'm just going to walk out of this party and sleep underneath the manzanita tree. <laughs> so I, I moved to New England from the deep south. Um, south, it's, it's been in the news lately for rising again. And, you know, we had a lot of problems out there growing up. I mean, I'll get into it. You know, crystal meth, it, it ravages communities, and people are always so down on meth heads, but, you know, there's some upsides. There's some upsides. For one thing, meth heads, man, they'll make you super nostalgic for crackheads. <laughs> and how and how they just want more crack, and you can predict all their actions based on that. The thing with meth is, oh, man, it makes you super crazy. It costs almost nothing. Like, you can do three days a week at Burger King and pay for your meth habit. So what you have... What you have is a lot of crazy people walking around very quickly, obviously. A lot of time on their hands to work on their bespoke insanities. It'll be stories like, oh, my, my neighbor's stealing my spark plugs. But, you know, it's so we can build a time machine so we can go back in time and break Avril Lavigne's nose. And somehow that's going to end the designated hitter rule. So, you know, it's for a good cause. I'm not mad. Or, like, you'll be in an alley and some dude will come up and you think he's going to rob you or whatever, but he just wants you to sign a contract he made about not taking your shoelaces for granted. <laughs> so, that's fine. That's fun. Uh, I had two kids recently, or so they tell me. Uh, I know, that shit's been hard, because I didn't even have that thing in high school where they give you, like, a fake baby that you can take care of. Did that happen at anybody's high school? In real life, what, what kind of baby was it? What the fuck? I thought because they had, I thought it was gonna be an egg, like in Saved by the Bell, because now they have a, mechanic, a sack of flour. That's not realistic at all. You can't, you can take a baby to a fish fry, like sack of flour. Watch out, man. Weird. No, I mean the whole point of that assignment is they wanted you to fail, right? They want you to have the baby, and you see how much it sucks to be a teen mom, and then you don't want to be a teen mom. But then, like, if you do pass the assignment, are you good to go? Are you good to be one now? Like, like when Mothers Against Drunk Driving comes to your school fair, and they have those goggles you put on that makes you drunk, and then you drive with them. But then if you do a good job driving, they give you a laminated card that says you're allowed to drive drunk now. Because you did it. Or, like, when the D.A.R.E. officer comes to your school, and he's got all those little samples of drugs in a plastic case and then he lets you do some of the blow and you're you're so good at doing it you're so good at doing it. You, do, you say all the stuff that people in cocaine are supposed to say to each other like like oh your idea for a restaurant sounds incredible i just i think it's important to be honest with children about where restaurants come from i think you gotta sit them down on the edge of the bed and look right in their eyes and just say, when two men 
named Philip and Dana love themselves very, very much. They have a restaurant concept together. And that's where they come from. People these days, a lot of people these days, they want comedians to be like more than comedians. They want to be like, you know, preachers or motivational speakers. They want to ask, you know, ask the important questions in life. So I'll, I'll try. Can anybody name all the members of Limp Biscuit? Any of them? You guys, you guys know at least one, right? Right. It would be Fred, it would be Fred Durst. And then some people, I guess, some people also know about the spooky, uh, the, the spooky bass player. I'm not familiar with him. Uh, did you know that wasn't a puppet? That was a real dude, just wearing contacts. But yeah, Fred Durst is the only one anybody ever knew. And that would be really good to be Fred Durst in the 90s because it's like, you know, you're getting the good restaurant tables. You're getting all the barred out groupies. Um, you would want to be him, not the drummer, because it's like nobody knows who the drummer is. But then if you go fast forward to today, you'd way rather be the drummer because you're getting those residual checks, but nobody knows you're in Limp Bizkit. <laughs> nobody but you. Not like Fred Durst, who has, who has $210 million. I looked that up. He's a rich man, but he can't enjoy it because uh, he's trapped inside the body of Fred Durst. <laughs> like, even if you rent out the entire go-kart pavilion, like, there's still, you know, the two employees are still laughing because it's Fred Durst there. That's hilarious. He's, I'm, I'm just saying he lives in a prison made out of Fred Durst. <laughs> and so you can't even enjoy the riches. Now, wasn't it crazy how Linkin Park made all those songs about dudes having emotions, but they had to use super tough action verbs so they'd accept it? Like, dudes are always, and people in the songs are like, they're crawling and falling and ripping and tearing. It's like, we get it. You're feeling stuff. You're feeling stuff. Okay. Uh, is, it's, I feel it's pretty boring when white people talk about their heritage, right? When someone's trapped you in a conversation, they're telling you about how there's Scotch, German, Irish on their mom's side, and they're Dutch, Irish, Scotch on their dad's side, and so on and so forth. I don't know. I don't think people, Caucasians, should uh, get to have heritage like that. There's, there's usually, I mean, Irish is definitely going to be in there. The Irish are super proud of being Irish all the time. So many parades. But then I guess, you know, there was how they used to be, like, slaves and... People considered them like less than human, like not even white, like a subspecies of human. We should get back to that. We should bring that was that was tight, in my opinion. Ugh, knock him down a bit. Oh, oh, I know you were slaves. Um, and so people here listen to NPR, but I bet you've heard stuff about like the Call of the Abyss. Have I ever heard of, of that phrase before? It's the name for that feeling that you get when you're on like top of, like like when you're on top of a building and you think about think about falling off, but you think about the worst possible thing that could happen. Like you're driving and you think about jerking the wheel. Not that you're gonna do it. You're not suicidal. You're just thinking about, you know, what would happen if I went down that route. I've I've been having a lot of conversational call of the abyss lately when I'm talking to folks. I just it's it's Talking with my enjoyment of life. Okay, the, 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 the real example, like the real life example of this was, I was hanging out with my friends the other day, 
and uh, there was a story on the news about some Scientologists in Turkey that were handing out pamphlets, and uh, they were charged with this with this old school crime of theirs called like inciting fear, inciting fear on the street. And since it was a story about Scientology, of course they have a picture of Tom Cruise up there, just like a random red pic- uh, red uh, red carpet picture of Tom Cruise doing that goofy Tom Cruise grin he does, where he's like like that one. And I stood up and went over the TV. Like pointed at his his fucked up big front teeth and I was like, "Hey guys, more like incising fear, am I right?" <laughs> Which caused a mild titter. It's not a good joke. It caused a mild titter of laughter. But I couldn't even enjoy that little tiny moment of pleasure of bringing other people laughter because immediately I was thinking, "Man, you know, it would make things really upsetting and awkward if you just said that again. If you just said the punchline again, more like incising fear, am I right?" For a second time, but then that would probably it'd probably work out because people would think you were just excited about your joke landing and were like saying it one more time. They'd give you a little a little credit, but then man, if you said it a third time, <laughs> you're like, hey guys, more like incising fear, am I right? Ha ha ha. More like incising fear, am I right? More like incising fear, am I right? That third time, like. People are going to frown a little bit and furrow their brows, and they're probably not going to say anything. They might shoot each other a glance. But then what if you said it a fourth time? What if you said it four times? Oh, fuck. Now this is like the worst part of everyone's day. They feel so uncomfortable. They're fucking hating it. They're hating it. Oh, geez. They're like looking around. And then you get into like five, six, seven. People are looking at the table. They might try to physically leave the room. There's like more like incising fear, right? More like incising fear. And then you go into like eight, nine, ten times. They have to look at you because what if you stab them? They don't want to get stabbed. Oh. And then it's like, how many times can you say the same thing in a row before they like? All somebody before like they get a straight jacket for you and put it on you or like just get on the phone about it i mean I, not out here though fuck not right here you could say something five hundred thousand times and you just be like oh that's more like incising fear marks you just, he's like that we love him he's great uh okay so here's here's a here's a thing that's hard to do in audiences of normal people that would be easier out here like stuff about traveling, it's hard to explain the lifestyle to people. It's hard to explain a lifestyle where it's like, I would spend a lot of time doing stuff in front of signs that were telling me exactly not to do that. Like the sign says no soliciting, but I'm hardcore soliciting all day, getting getting that cash or a sign that says, you know, dogs must be leashed. And my dog's never on a leash. I would never, come on, forget about it. Uh, and then, you know, eventually a security guard will come up to you and they'll like jerk their thumb back at the sign know tell you got to get out of here sometimes sometimes they would point to the sign and be like hey can't you read and when i had that opportunity i would always say no (laughs) (laughs) and that would usually they just give me a weird look but then sometimes oh my god sometimes they would be like why (laughs) and then then you got a real sandbox to play in that's so good you can say you know, I'm always going to say something I'm always going to say something real, like something that's going on in someone's real life like, "Oh, I was actually like in a cult until I ran away at age 21 and they never taught us how to read and we didn't really 
so much past the third grade or whatever, and can you help me get my documents, like a social security card? <laughs> like, ask them, you know, or like some frozen airplane waste. It fell out and it hit me on the head. Never since then, I can't read. And, and the hope is that he like goes home to his family that night and he tells them of this fantastical tale of this of this person that he met and their story and then they all think about people whose lives are different from theirs and might not have the same opportunities and they they you know have a better understanding more empathy or there's also the possibility that he says to me hey my sister's the only person who's been hit by frozen airplane poop in this hemisphere since 1974 and then now I learned something. I'm the one that learned the lesson. And I'd like that too. Man, being out being out there sometimes, you know, you, you're you're out there for years and stuff. Sometimes the compass gets a little spun. You you start wondering if you're doing the right thing. I would. I mean, I was having a great time out there, but just driving all over America, I'd wonder myself, is it right? To be doing this, should I be out here doing all these drugs, having depraved sex with strangers? Um, is it the best use of my talents and time, limited though they may be? And when I was having one of these moments of, you know, sort of like existential crisis, um, I'm so glad that I got behind an edible arrangements truck. Because once I saw that truck and that papyrus font, uh, <clears throat> I knew that, like, I just remembered edible arrangement, uh, edible arrangements, and what it is that there's like a whole building where where people have to show up to so they can cut up pineapples and put wooden dowels in them, and that they're using fossil fuels to like haul it all over America to like I guess people that work at the bank I don't know <laughs> who orders edible arrangements, but like it's an entire company that people work for and you know kind of harming the environment with their activities and it's. I'm fine, you know? If that's going on, I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm not I'm not the person that stuck a wooden dowel in a cookie and uh, took that to the bank to get a loan about it. Everything I do is fine. So, you guys, speaking of not being able to read, you guys, you probably heard dyslexia before, right? They, they told me when I was little I had an opposite condition called hyperlexia. I don't know how true that is, but I could definitely read before I could talk or before I was, you know, like three, and and uh, can still read pretty fast. And uh, growing up, you you think that would be a you know a boon that would get you ahead in life, but also it didn't really come with like a expanded you know maturity or consciousness or intellectual ability. I could just read the words really fast. My parents wouldn't take me to the library; they would just take me to like the grocery store where. They would buy me every Stephen King book uh, in print. And man, when, when I was six, I read Cujo because it had a doggy on the cover. <laughs> and you guys, in the book Cujo, a guy breaks into his girlfriend's apartment, smashes every single thing that she owns, ejaculates on her bedspread, and then leaves. And at the time, that was distressing to me because, you know, I mean, first of all, I didn't want all my unicorn figurines smashed. But also the semen part, that was that was hard for me to deal with because like I knew Salem's Lot wasn't real and that like uh, you know Pet Cemetery was a made up story, but I, I was already pretty aware that semen was hella real, like as a concept and around me all the time, and and I just I just didn't know 
Is that, is that how adults treated each other? Is this what dating was going to be like? Is this what I have to get ready for? But it didn't even matter because, like, now, if I came home now and found a puddle of semen on my bedspread, y'all, I'm not even washing that for, like, four days. I'm just kicking it to the bottom of the bed. Who cares? Who cares? Uh, so, man, child actors. Why are, why are we still why are we still having them? Like I'm not the best parent, but I know more than to ever let that happen to my kid. What a bizarre ass life. It's the only profession too that we allow kids to do if they want to. It's not like anyone's like, oh, our son, our, you know, Mur Murphy just loves oil fracking. So so we did quit our jobs and moved to North Dakota just to just to give him a push. See if it works out for him. As long as he's enjoying it, though. No one, even if you're like, even if your first grader is a math whiz, no one's like, oh, you should pull him out of elementary school and make him a CPA. That that'd be good for him. And honestly, oil fracking would probably be safer for kids as a profession because like, acting's the only profession that requires you on a daily basis to put your kids in the car and drive them on purpose to a building that's full of like, you know, pedophiles sycophants and like people that whiten their dog's teeth and just the absolute scum of the earth people that that are probably gonna fuck up your kids mentally and probably just plain fuck them and i've heard that's bad for their development <laughs> it's not good for them I, mean, I can't even enjoy watching a movie that has a bunch of kids in it like stranger things or something i feel like i'm watching a snuff film of their childhood i feel like i'm watching a movie uh, you know, where the dog dies, but from back before it was illegal to kill animals on screen. Which was 1939. You guys know that before 1939, those horses are not okay. They didn't make it. It wasn't, it wasn't good for them. And, and then sometimes people try to tell me, oh, some of the child actors turn out all right. What about Jodie Foster? Jodie Foster's okay. But you guys know, Jodie Foster's like best friends with Mel Gibson. So is she okay? <laughs> is she okay? Uh, I got more, but I think I think I'm just gonna stop now. Why? No, Aw. Okay. Um, <laughs> what did I have? What did I have written on the sheet of paper? Poker uh, stories is one of. Testosterone. Testosterone starts off with talking about NPR and like. Uh, I'm not sure. That might be like a little specialized. I don't know. It's just I, it's a little cute for me lately. You guys listen to NPR often? I don't know. Like Stevensky pretending not to know how to pronounce like rap, you know, words and rap lyrics on the bumper stuff, and like, oh man, Radiolab, fucking Radiolab. Like if you're telling a story that takes place in England, you don't have to play Hail Britannia for me to like hold that idea in my head. It's fucking babyish. Um, but anyway. So I was listening to it one day because there's nothing else in the car. They were doing a story about testosterone, like people that had too much of it or too little of it, people that had like transitioned their gender or whatever and what that was like. And um, they were going down a list of like, uh, of, like fact uh, attributes of people that had like a lot of testosterone in their body. And I was hearing it, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe identify with some of that. It was stuff like, square palms and like a deep voice and a, one of them literally this is literally one of them a wolfish grin <laughs> mm -hmm. uh another one of them was if you were in high school voted most likely to sarah connor 
which I was. <laughs> no, that wasn't really one. That wasn't really one. Uh, but the last one uh, they told you about, which is completely real, was that levels of testosterone rise when you are uh, both working out, like in the middle of a really hard workout, or watching violence, even recorded violence, like people fighting. And when I heard that, I knew it was time to take my workouts to the next level by watching <laughs> videos of people beating the shit out of each other first. And you guys, it is it works so well. Oh my god, I would you go to, go to any kind of fight porn site. It, you know, when you're like watching a video of a fight at two a.m. and you get embarrassingly hype about it, like you're like UFC. Yeah, sure that too. But I mean, no, I want them to like mean it. I want someone to have snatched somebody's something and then now like an unholy fury is coming down. I watched them all, high school fight videos. Like, I didn't get into the Appalachian preschool MMA backyard scene, but that exists. That exists and it's out there. And uh, I'm so grateful. But then it got me in trouble because uh, back when I was living in my car, I would work out sometimes by sneaking into the fitness room of like a Ramada Inn or something. Uh, you would just like fish a Starbucks cup out of the garbage, have sweatpants on and a messy bun. And then now, you know, bust out a workout real quick before I go fly a sign. And I'm in, I'm in the Ramada one time waiting for somebody with a card to come wipe it through so he can get into the little tiny room with the foggy mirrors and the, like, one Nordic track. And I'm listening to, I'm, I'm watching the fights on my cell phone with headphones. And then eventually this, like, elderly dude in basketball shorts uh, comes to you as the gym. It's great for me. He stands up. He swipes the card. And... As he goes in, I duck in behind him really quick. And as I do, the door slams shut and catches my headphones and pulls them out of the phone. And then now all of a sudden we're like in this tiny room together and there's just the sounds of like, get him, Jeremy, get him, Jeremy. Fuck him up, fuck him up. And he was like looking at me, kind of confused. I was just like, this is what music sounds like now? <laughs> This is what the kids listen to. <laughs> um, okay. I don't want to talk about the Myers-Briggs personality index. I don't want to talk about pedophiles. Um, I invented some new dog breeds, I guess. You know, like, I mean, it just sucks that we have all these dogs that, that are trained to do hyper-specialized tasks. We took all their dogs away. I mean, we took all their uh, jobs away in the span of, like, 50 years. I just don't think it's fair. They're, like, quivering with excitement to do the thing they were trained to do. No, we don't let them do it. we got to start over. we got to start from scratch. Dogs for modern people to solve modern problems. You know, like a, a dog, like a retriever. But they only retrieve cash and jewels. And also, they can break into people's houses. That's a dog that I could use. Um, you know, dogs that are good for selfies, really glossy, stand in front of you, reflect the light. Um, dogs that, like, secrete antibiotics from their eyes, but every day they change a little bit to keep up with today's fast-paced MRSA outbreaks. You know, like a, mid a dog that... If people call themselves their dog's mom, maybe you hit 40 and the dog's face will change to look like your face. So then you don't feel so bad about not completing the biological imperative. I don't know. Sometimes when I'm in public with my dog, she'll be asleep and she'll be twitching like dogs do when they dream and, you know, making little noises and shit. And people are always like, oh, she must be chasing rabbits. 
for, you know, stuff that dogs do during the day. But sometimes the dog tries to hump me, so it's like, you gotta figure some of those dreams. <laughs> some of those dreams, you're not stopping them. Like, you're into it. <laughs> Of all the things that COVID took away from us, Burlington, Vermont, near where I live, the one thing I can't believe it didn't take away was the axe-throwing bar. <laughs> Somehow, there's still a bar. It survived the pandemic where you can go throw axes at the wall, and it makes me so goddamn mad. Oh, man. I know I shouldn't get that worked up over it. It's just, oh. <coughs> because they're not chopping wood in there. It's not surrounded by, like, you're supposed to chop, like, you know, 10,000 cords of wood first. They're, they're trafficking in working-class signifiers. I don't love that. Plus the fact that you just know that if it came down to the cut, they're not, it, they're not even helping people do it. They're not even going to be able to do it. Like, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere chopping wood for the apocalypse. They're in there twirling them around like majorettes. And if, in fact, the apocalypse did happen and there was, like, you know, a horde of people from Brooklyn cresting the hill coming to take over my house in Vermont and you needed somebody, you needed one of these Burlingtonians to sink the tip of that axe into the forehead of one of these fucks, they're, they're going to be like, oh, it's not a regulation axe. It needs to be tuned. Uh, so I guess I might as well... I'll I'll do the the hooker story last because I got to get back to those to the kids. They'll probably need me. But uh, <clears throat> go way out there. So uh, before uh, yeah, before this life, I used to have like a whole a whole different one where I had like long hair and uh, long nails and high heels and oh, for the purposes of this story, I guess it is important. Not just a, a brag to say, like, I used to be super hot. Before I lost, like, most of my teeth, which causes your face to sink in, yeah, I was I was pretty attractive. Like, people used to say Angelina Jolie, but that's not true. That's That was way too hot. But absolutely Jessica Alba hot. That's an objective fact. I was absolutely as hot as, like, Jessica Alba. So, anyway, um, I... Also, I'm tired of standing up now. So... I had parlayed this into, like, a fairly... I went from Craigslist hooker to, like, tech bro hooker, which was, you know, fairly a fairly lucrative enterprise. And, um... Huh? Like, uh, you know, like a... I, uh, I would say mostly tech bros is, is who I was working for. And so for the setting of this story is... I was in the car with one of these dudes one day, and he was going off about my mom's declawed cat. I mean, you know, like, I've been seeing the dude a little bit, and he just hated that my mom's cat uh, had been declawed. I don't, I don't, I know we're not supposed to like it. I don't have that much of a problem with it. I mean, it was still, could climb trees. The cat seemed happy enough. Otherwise, it was going to go to an animal shelter in Memphis, Tennessee, which would have been death. So it's like declawing or death, whichever one you think is better. But he was, he was all up in arms about it. He's like, oh, man, don't you know it's just like cutting your knuckle off, your, your finger off at the first knuckle. That's, that's their fingers in there. And I was like, well, honestly, I think cats would be able to make that decision. I think if you offered a cat free room, board, medical care, and food for the rest of their natural life, they'd probably lose the first knuckle voluntarily. Uh, I know I would. If somebody was offering me <coughs> free room, you know, food, medical care for the rest of my life, you can have the first one, you know, a little 
phone pieces. And he said, you want to put your money where your mouth is? And I said, what? And he said that there was places on the internet, not the World Wide Web, but the internet, where he could put an ad like that, and maybe somebody would take me up on it and, uh, you know, decide to provide those things in exchange for, you know, safely uh, in a medical setting, cutting the tips of my finger off. And I didn't have to think long about it before I said yes, because, come on, <laughs> the first knuckles on your finger? What the fuck? You can still dial a phone, pull a grenade, masturbate, Vulcan salute. What else is there? Those four things? Come on, you're good. It's good. That's all you need to do. And so he put the ad on the internet, and uh, surprisingly quickly it got answered. If you had to guess a part of the world from which someone who would take me up on that offer would originate, what do you think? New Jersey. Uh, China? No, not, nobody there Some could afford it. so I don't sound ignorant. <laughs> what you would now call the UAE. They're definitely, they definitely grow some weird ones. United Arab Emirates. Yeah, in that, in that part of the world. Um, Did they want your knuckles? Yeah, they actually wanted a whole lifestyle thing. Like, that was, get, that was getting worked out, you know, am I going to, like, live at the house? Do I wear a collar? It was finally decided it was going to be just like, you know, I had my own oh, separate oh, you domicile. Oh, to you like a cat. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that's... that's... <laughs> yeah, I don't declaw cats. <laughs> that's not apparently that a lot of people me. don't. I mean, my mom did. I don't judge other people. Uh, anywho, it's a conversation too. It's a con right because I'm sitting down. Fuck, haha. That's why they make them stand up. Now I get it, or else you're just talking, or you're just talking. Oh, gosh, tradition, tradition. Don't fuck with it. Well, United Arab Emirates have a lot of money, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah, some uh, some freak stuff going on. But luckily, before before that uh, happened, uh, some other shit went down, and uh, I basically ended up hitting the road because I was being, you know, pretty heavily surveilled by these dudes. But it was kind of a shame because I had already practiced, you know, doing a bunch of stuff that was going to be needed in my new cat lifestyle, like jumping up on the mantle and knocking a bunch of shit off. <laughs> Shitting in a box of sand, much to the dismay of other people at the playground. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna sit down now. Rainbow's return to Strawberry Lake for 50th anniversary unlikely, from the Grand Gazette, March 27th, 2022, by Marissa Lorenz. On March 3rd, a post made to a number of Grant County Facebook groups announced, warned, about 20,000-plus coming to a forest near you. Rumor has it it's happening in Grand Lake. The post was referencing the 2022 Rainbow Family Gathering, the 50th anniversary of an annual event first held at Strawberry Lake near Granby. For those who are unfamiliar with the Rainbow Family of Living Light, it grew out of various cultural and youth movements of the late 1960s and early 70s. Their annual world gatherings have become month-long events that center around a prayer and meditation circle for world peace, usually held on July 4th. Some have described the group as the largest non-organization of non-members in the world with no leaders and no organization. Others commonly refer to them as dirty hippies. And while Rainbow-created websites maintain that it is long-standing Rainbow Family consensus that nobody has ever or ever will represent the Rainbow Family, 
They often talk about such things as communal peace, love, and harmony on and with the planet Earth. That 1972 gathering was the Rainbow's first intentional large group gathering, drawing an estimated 20,000 to Grant County. A New York Times article from the period says that they came to meditate in the forest, to chant prayers together, talk over things, and play flutes and guitars and drums under the spruce and aspen trees. It also details how local government opposed the event. Then-Governor John Love swore to prevent the gathering. The state closed roads to the campground. It tried to ban food from the area. But eventually, it was the young people who decided the issue. By hiking through the forest to get to the location, after being stuck in the town of Granby, many without accommodation, for seven days of standoff. The article goes on to say that concerns of health epidemics were unfounded, that waste was buried in military-style trenches, and that there was little evidence of drug use outside of an occasional marijuana cigarette. One-time journalist and owner-editor of the Middle Park Times, Ed Quillen, later wrote about being at that first event as a young reporter. Two years after that, I was editing the Kremlin newspaper in Grand County, and I heard the local side of the story, Quillen wrote. The Strawberry Lake crowd hadn't caused that much real trouble, but any substantial population spike in a remote and unpopulated zone, the county had only 5,000 people in those days, was burdensome and disruptive. But those contemporary accounts conflict with local memory as recalled today. That March 3rd post has garnered over 100 comments on one Facebook page, with most expressing negative attitudes toward the Rainbow Gathering and a hope it will not come back to the area. They pay for nothing and leave feces everywhere, states one Facebook commenter. For all the world peace and sacred healing they spew, it is wildly overshadowed by a lot of destructive and dangerous behavior, says another. And yet another local laments, We have laws in the county code because of this nightmare. It's why we can't live in a camper on our own property. Few voices speak in defense of the event, though two individuals claim to know that the gathering will not return to the Granby area. And a longtime rainbow who calls himself Muddy George recently echoed that unlikelihood. By phone, George, a Colorado native and self-described protector of our national forest, recounts his first gathering, the second in Colorado, held in 1992 in Paonia. I was concerned. I went with the intention of participating, but I also wanted to make sure a large gathering would be safe and environmentally friendly to Colorado. George says he has attended most annual gatherings since, serving in various capacities, including as part of the Vision Council that makes consensus-based decisions about upcoming events. He confirms and stresses that no decisions have yet been made about the 2022 location other than that it will be in Colorado. George explains that scouting of potential sites takes place on a continual basis. We know that we're a large group, so areas that work for our needs, such as parking, water, camping, are generally areas that are already permitted, already have an impact use, and have historically been used by other large groups, such as large hunting camps or grazing or logging activities. Sites that are vulnerable or problematic don't meet our needs. Burn scars and rehabbing burn scars don't meet our needs, George assures. The strawberry site, being a sensitive area, would negate its consideration. And Muddy George understands well the community's concerns about fire. He lost his own home to a Colorado wildfire in 2002. Yet he continues to return to the gathering, seeing firsthand the work done being, being done to mitigate not just fire, but violence, long-term environmental damage, and waste accumulation. As for Grand County safety officials, they are already in discussion about resource needs should the Rainbow Group decide to return to the area. We are aware of the likelihood of the 2022 World Rainbow Family Gathering happening in Colorado and the possibility it could take place in Grant County, says Grand County Sheriff Brett Schrotlin. 
While it is too early to know with any certainty, it is our understanding that historically the location of the gathering is not determined until after their spring council in June. We are engaged in preliminary discussions with the United States Forest Service as the event would most likely be on public lands. Our local, state, and federal partners will be prepared should the event materialize, and we will strive to minimize the local impacts it could bring to our community. And Regin Cloudman, Public Information Officer for the Arapaho National Forest, affirms that same message. We know the community is still recovering from the 2020 fires and the pandemic on top of that. Here, we have the advantage of knowing this event may occur, giving us time to prepare for it, and allowing us to plan for a significant number of additional resources to support safely and environmental efforts. More details of how a coordinated response to a planned Grand County Rainbow Family Gathering would work, and who would be involved in what capacities, is expected in the coming weeks. The U.S. Forest Service will be communicating that information as it is determined. Thousands from Rainbow Family Sect plan to descend on Colorado this summer, making law enforcement nervous, like the Burning Man Festival, but weirder, reports indicate, by Conrad Swanson from the Denver Post, March 31st, 2022. The 50th anniversary of the Rainbow Family of Living Light's first gathering in Colorado comes this summer, and the group, a sect of hippies that say they stand for peace and love, appear likely to return to its roots. Sheriff's departments in Grand and Jackson counties, alongside U.S. Forest Service officials, confirmed that the Rainbow Family appears poised for a month-long gathering in Colorado this summer. Rainbow Families can bring thousands of people together for what Vice reported amounts to a weird version of Burning Man, mixing bikers, Jesus freaks, computer programmers, naked yogis, and gutter punks looking to escape the thralls of everyday life. In Colorado, past gatherings led to an uptick in trespassing and illegal camping charges after seven members told police that they took psychedelic drugs before climbing atop Boulder Public Library's roof, the Daily Camera reported. The group gathers each year for about a week, but this year, marking their 50th anniversary, they're expected to stick around for longer. Flyers posted around Jackson County said they'd gather from June 28th to July 28th, said Sheriff Jared Poley, likely near the Granby area. Precisely where they'll gather and how many people might come remains unclear, Poley said. It really concerns me that it's for a full month. There's not a real good way to prepare for it, Poley said. In the past, we've seen issues come out of it like thefts, vandalism, abandonment of trash, animals on Forest Service property. Forest Service spokesman, spokeswoman Reed Armstrong said the agency is aware of the possible gathering, but that, that it's neither permitted nor sanctioned. Groups larger than 75 people require a special use permit, and the Rainbow family has consistently refused to abide by those requirements, she said. We want to assure the community that we are working with our partners and cooperators to prepare for the possibility of a large extended gathering in Colorado, Armstrong said. Serena Roxund, a district wildlife manager with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, said the state agency is also aware of the possible gathering, but without more details can do little to prepare. The group tends to gather on federal lands, she says, so the state agency would likely have little involvement. While reports of Rainbow Family gatherings are often paired with drug use and sometimes sexual assault, Rolling Stone reported in 1993 they've also been described as a band of misfits taking solace within the larger group. For their 2019 gathering in New Mexico, Forest Service representatives noted that they're fairly cooperative with rules meant to protect water and culturally significant sites, the New Mexican reported. For that meeting, they brought propane tanks to abide by fire bans and promised to clean up whatever trash they left behind.
Criminal charges can often stem from these meetings, but prosecutors have also dropped many of these charges. The Rainbow Family has no designated leadership and members and take pride in their holistic and communal system, online blogs and profiles show. The group's first meeting was in the Strawberry Lake area east of Granby in 1972. Rainbow Gathering could bring thousands to fragile Colorado backcountry sparking outrage by Spencer McKee, Denver Gazette, March 31, 2022. In 2006, an estimated 15,000 members of the Rainbow Family Group, often described as hippies and as part of a non-organization, took over a large swath of land in Colorado's Route National Forest during an illegal gathering. The same group may be coming back to the Centennial State this summer. While the annual gatherings of the Rainbow Family of the Living Light are described by some as a celebration of nature and life, others find issue with the massive crowds that the events bring to public land for extended periods of time. Not only can Rainbow Family gatherings cost the Forest Service hundreds of thousands of dollars each year, major concerns also exist regarding the environmental impact of long-term forest use by such a gr large group. In 2006, the National Forest Service had denied the group two permit applications for their Steamboat Springs area gathering, one permit that contained profanity and a second that was denied due to fire safety concerns. The group gathered anyway, citing that a permit requirement violated the constitutional freedom of assembly. In a matter of days, hundreds of violation notices had been issued by Forest Service officers for a range of offenses, including illegal occupancy and use of a national forest and drug-related offenses. This year, plans circulating the Internet seem to point to Colorado as the destination for the annual summer gathering once again. Two different, presumably related Facebook groups reference Colorado. The first is 2022 Colorado 50th Annual Rainbow Gathering, a group with 1,700 members that has been used to promote events in other states in the past. The second is Rainbow Gathering Vision 2022 Colorado, which implies a destination of Table Mountain, Golden Area, or Strawberry Lake, Granby Area, where the first, where the first intentional group gathering took place in 1972. A plan to hold the festival in Colorado is also mentioned in a report from the Grand Gazette, with someone involved in the location selection process stating that the 2022 event will happen in Colorado, but that the exact spot is to be determined. He also notes that the Strawberry Lake site would be likely deemed too vulnerable by the group, possibly due to recent fire activity in the area. While members of the group believe their gathering is well-intentioned, rumors of the group's return to Colorado has drawn criticism online. On the popular forum-based website Reddit, members of a Denver-centric message board with 282,000 members have shown a strong negative reaction, also encouraging the public to contact officials at local National Forest Office about the supposed event. Outrage and concern focuses mostly on damage done to natural spaces by the event in the past, including the creation of informal trails, excessive human and animal waste left in centralized spots, and the stripping of tree branches for burning. Worry that the event could attract criminals has also been expressed. There are obvious environmental concerns that come with any long-term occupation of a space, especially by a large group. Generally, these events are billed as taking place through the first week of July, though many participants can get there early and stay for much longer, with some sources stating that the event can last an entire month. Last year, the Rainbow Gathering event took place in Carson National Forest, New Mexico, near Taos. 
An Associated Press report on the event noted that Forest Service officials have said that recent gatherings have had little impact on water, erosion, and other areas of concern. The Forest Service is preparing for thousands of people to come and camp en masse in one of Colorado's forests this summer. Online rumors are swirling that our state is the destination for the 50th Rainbow Family Gathering. The group describes themselves as a, a loose-knit organization that operates without leadership. Their events, earthy functions, draw in thousands of people. Facebook groups, presumably associated with the group, have hinted that Table Mountain in Golden or Strawberry Lake in Granby could be this year's destination. A group that large, camped out in the forest for a long period of time, obviously creates an added wildfire risk. The Forest Service says significant number of resources to reduce the impact on nearby towns as well as the public land. Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sun Up with the Colorado Sun. It's Friday, April 1st. Today, the Rainbow Gathering is returning to Colorado after 16 years for its 50th anniversary. But it's a mystery of where this week's long confab will take place and when. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. The discovery of gold in the Colorado Territory in the 1850s launched a second gold rush that led to a stampede of people looking to find fame and fortune. Regionally mined ore was often called Pikes Peak Gold, and the dust and ore brought into town wasn't easily spent on its own. Groups like the Clark Gruber & Company opened up a private mint to turn that dust into coins that could be more easily traded for goods and services. On July 25, 1860, the group opened up shop in a two-story brick building on the corner of Market and 16th Streets in Denver, minting $10 gold pieces at the rate of 15 or 20 coins a minute. The coin featured Pikes Peak surrounded by a forest of timber. In three years of operation, they minted $594,305 worth of coins. They were so successful that the U.S. Treasury purchased the business in April 1863. This operation would eventually become the Denver Mint and is the single largest producer of coins in the world. Next, our feature story. The first time the Rainbow Gathering got together was in 1972, and that happened to be in Grand County. The last time they met in Colorado was in 2006, when 10,000 people camped out on public lands in Route National Forest. This unofficial organization has no official leaders nor an official website. But through word of modern mouth like Reddit forums, this group of hippie campers appear to be headed to Colorado to celebrate their 50th anniversary this summer. There is cause for concern, though, about the impact of such a large group on federal lands. But as Jason Blevins reports, one upside so far is the Forest Service knows it's coming. Tamara Chung talks to Jason in today's podcast. Hi, Jason. How are you hey. today? Very well. How are you, Tamara? I'm good. Thanks for talking to us about the Rainbow Gathering. So this is new to me. I'm not from here, and I have no idea what this is. Can you tell our audience what what exactly is the Rainbow Gathering? Well, for 50 years, this group has been uh, holding sort of, they call it impromptu uh, gatherings on public land, Forest Service land usually, um, around the country, different states all over. And uh, they just kind of started to hint this week that they plan to come back to Colorado for their 50th anniversary. The first ever rainbow gathering was uh, on public land near Granby in 1972. 
So 50 years. So it sounds like they're going to be somewhere here in Colorado. But um, who who are these people? Like, you know, I mean, I have no idea. I think your story mentions they're hippie campers, but do you know who, who are they? What do they represent? Uh, they started in, I think, around Eugene, Medford, Oregon, and in the early 70s. And they, uh, you know, they're peace, harmony, love folks. Um, they have no structure. There is no leadership. There's no headquarters. There's no people in charge. Everybody that attends this event is uh, treated as an equal, I guess. And they um, they just sort of come together and have, have this big sort of prayer circle-ish type event on July 4th. And that's sort of their trademark, uh, you know, pinnacle apex of the of their gathering sometimes folks are there for a month or longer um the event technically lasts about a week um you're not quite sure where they're going to end up in colorado um you know this is since they have no formal structure um it's all just kind of online chatter you know and there's some websites out there that say you know get ready for the 50th anniversary in colorado and People in Grand County and the Arapaho National Forest seem to think that they will be returning to the Arapaho um, uh, for their 50th sometime in July this year. Could be okay. as many as 30,000 people. They usually draw about 10 to 15,000 people for, for these events. So, so it's funny that you mentioned there's no official leaders, there's no official website, but it sounds like they get their message out to one another online and there was even a forum on reddit that they've closed outsiders so it sounds like there's some maybe criticism here or so what's happening there well yeah we we were kind of watching it yesterday when they kind of announced that it would be coming on so we were on this subreddit and i guess the reddit people don't much care for that but it's uh they were you know chattering and as you can imagine there were more than a few commenters from Colorado who were, um, let's say, less than enthusiastic and unwelcoming <laughs> to uh, <laughs> the idea of, you know, 10,000 people gathering in a national forest for a, a week-long party. So they, I, they shut that down today. You can't actually see what they're talking about in there. Um, so that's kind of uh, been a little shift. But I, I think back in the day, they used to have a phone number that you would call and they and then, you know, they would have sort of regional gatherings. So it was word of mouth and it was probably mailings and signs up and, you know, hippie communes or who knew how they did it pre-internet. But now, you know, just like any kind of online community, they're pretty loosely based and there's no one really to, uh, to, to organize, you know, this, these events, but What's interesting is the Forest Service actually has a national incident management team that follows this group around every year. You know, there's 40 something Forest Service law enforcement personnel who uh, go to all these events, track them, attend each one, you know, write some tickets and kind of just loosely police. You know, they, they obviously can't write 10,000 tickets and they're obviously not going to arrest 10,000 people. So it makes it kind of a challenge on their front. And that, you know, they, their, their point is that they should be able to have the right to assemble on public lands at any time. Uh, Forest Service obviously has rules about public gatherings, and they want you to get a permit. And um, since there is no 
rainbow family boss, then there's nobody to actually sign for a permit or apply for a permit. So kind of an interesting dynamic in terms of this relationship. And it's largely antagonistic between the rainbow family and the forest service, obviously. Um, but there's, you know, they have as many as 500 people after each event that kind of stick around and fill in their, you know, pit toilet latrine sort of stuff and replant grasses and do all this stuff. They have medical care. They have, uh, you know, different, a whole bunch of different camps divided across the, you know, as many, you know, 2,000, 3,000 acres of public land out in the middle of forest. And as you can imagine, some concerns in Colorado are largely focused around wildfire. Um, you know, there's just a lot of valid concern over 20,000 plus people camping in the middle of the woods and what, how that might, I don't know, spark a wildfire. Yeah. So, so it sounds like they clean up after themselves and they, they may also be concerned with the environment as well. Um, but the wildfire is an issue because that's something, you know, wildfires are obviously wildfires because they're kind of out of our control. Sure. So. And I went to like, you know, the Denver library and had them pull up some, you know, 1972 Denver post articles, Rocky mountain news articles, um, and 1992 articles. And I got a report from the forest service in 1992 and they're, you know, they, a lot of the response from forest service officials are, wow, this wasn't as bad as we thought it was. Um, you know, they, they did a decent job of cleaning up, you know, it's going to take up whatever a season or two of growing in the, in the meadows to kind of repair damaged grasses or, or things like that. But largely it's, they don't seem to have too much, uh, you know, they don't seem to have as much of an impact as you would expect if 10,000 people just randomly gathered in the woods for a week long party, but they're, Gosh, we've really changed a lot since 1972, 1992, and even 2006. There's a lot more people in this state, and there's a lot more concerns in these smaller rural communities over, you know, camping. We're writing almost every week about new reservation systems and ways that local communities are cracking down on, on you know, sort of random camping and free-for-all camping around their towns out of a rational fear of wildfire and people not controlling their campfires and that causing, you know, some significant impacts to natural resources. So we're in, we're in a different time, but then, you know, I guess you could say we've been in a different time forever <laughs> and <laughs> no community has ever, you know, stood up and celebrated the arrival of the rainbow family. It's not like they're courted and, and, you know, ex people get excited when they, come and move into the national forest, you know, on the edge of town, hardly, a, hardly cause for celebration, but, um, talk to folks in Grand County and Arapaho national forest and they're on alert and they're paying attention. Apparently the rainbow folks send like a scouting party that'll come out and kind of identify a, a final area. Um, they like open meadows, they need a water source. So they find this you no know, spot and then they, you know, that's where they're going to gather and, no one has really been able to stop them from gathering for 50 years. So it's pretty much once they decide where they're going to be, that's, it all becomes about managing impacts and, and, you know, making sure that community resources, natural resources are somewhat protected. How soon do you think folks will know when this is happening and where it's going to be? Um, reading some of the earlier reports, like in, 92 and 2006, the last time they were in Colorado, uh, officials seem to know as late as early June, so barely a month ahead of time. Um, 
you know, kind of the exact location is, has been noted. Um, it's interesting. I found some old documents from, from on a website that they have that uh, from a scouting report when they were trying to figure out where in Colorado they wanted to go, and they ended up in Route County um, in 2006 uh, in the Route National Forest. Um, but they also looked at Grand County in the Arapahoe and identified a number of spots. So there's some spots, you know, Ute Park and Buffalo Park out, out by uh, Kremling. And um, there's some different locations that they've identified in Grand County before. So I wouldn't be surprised if they picked those as spots mm -hmm. that they'd return this summer. So it sounds like it's it actually could be kind of fun to uh, take a week off and uh, go camping in the National <laughs> grounds but um so can anyone join this rainbow family yeah they're open to all it's all about peace love <laughs> harmony respect for nature that kind of stuff good old hippie mentality um i don't know about a good time though if i go camping <laughs> i kind of don't want to be around ten thousand people i don't know maybe maybe it's fun <laughs> <laughs> well thanks thanks jason for looking into this it's it's an interesting strange story that has popped up this week so guess we'll find out more once the event actually uh comes to be so yeah definitely stay tuned okay well thanks again jason and if you if listeners want to catch a story online it's good please go to coloradosun.com thanks finally here are a few stories that you should know about today 30,000 expected at Rainbow Gathering's 50th anniversary in Colorado, sparking wildfire concerns. Arapahoe National Forest and Grand County officials suspect the annual Rainbow Gathering of the tribes could draw tens of thousands to remote federal land, sparking concerns about wildfire and impacts. By Jason Blevins with the Colorado Sun, April 1, 2022. The Rainbow Gathering of the tribes plans to return to Colorado this summer to celebrate its 50th anniversary. The weeks-long confab that draws tens of thousands of hippie campers to public lands announced this week that the national gathering of possibly 30,000 would be returning to Colorado. The group's national bacchanal was last in Colorado in 2006 with about 10,000 people camping on Forest Service land in North Route County outside Steamboat Springs. Before that, there were 19,000 strong outside Paonia in 1992. The first national gathering was near Granby in 1972. The Rainbow Gathering has not yet said where in Colorado they plan to land for the late June, early July festival. But in fire-fearing mountain communities already cracking down on camping in crowds, opposition to the event is mounting with a focus on how tens of thousands of people camping together in the woods could spark a wildfire. This post on Reddit Take Action Against the Rainbow Gathering, spurred 670-plus comments in less than 24 hours. You can guess the tone of those comments. There are no leaders of the Rainbow Family. They don't have an HQ or even a formal website. No one to call and ask questions. Today's Rainbow is as loose as any other internet-connected community. They call themselves the largest non-organization of non-members in the world and they closed their Reddit forum to outsiders on Thursday as hundreds of commenters piled on with less than enthusiastic responses to the 50th annual gathering in Colorado. Many of the group's websites crashed Thursday as news spread of the Colorado events. The loose structure makes it hard for federal land managers and local communities to address impacts and plan for the pending party of hippies. The Forest Service, citing online chatter and posts, suspects the group could be planning to gather in Grand County in June and July. 
The original 1972 gathering occurred up there, so I think there is some potential desire to come back to Grand County for their 50th, said Reed Armstrong with the Arapaho and Roosevelt National Forests. Without a leadership structure, the Forest Service has not been able to enforce its rules requiring a permit for gatherings of more than 75 people on public land. The agency typically writes tickets for illegal camping during big rainbow rallies, but obviously rangers don't pen 10,000-plus citations at every gathering. The Rainbow Group has, since the 1970s, argued that it has a right to assemble on public lands. The National Forest has a national incident team that follows the Rainbow family's annual gatherings, which typically peak over the July 4th holiday. Last year's gathering was in the Carson National Forest near Taos, New Mexico. That team, mostly Forest Service law enforcement officers, works with local communities and local police. While the specific location won't be known until the Rainbow family sends a scouting party to find a spot that provides open spaces near a water supply, the Forest Service and Grand County law enforcement are aware of the possible gathering. We bring, historically, a lot of resources to help protect the local community and help reduce the impact on the community and natural resources, Armstrong said. In 2006, a scouting report from the Rainbow Gathering explored possibly returning to Grand County and identified a handful of possible locations on Forest Service land, including Church Park, Red Dirt Reservoir, and Buffalo Park. One upside for the Rainbow Gathering impact, the Forest Service knows it's coming, unlike major wildfires like Cameron Peak and East Troublesome, the two largest wildfires in Colorado history that raged through portions of the Arapaho National Forest in 2020. So we can plan for it and prepare for it, Armstrong said. The impacts, however, can be the same. Slightly different, but the extent of the natural resource impacts can be similar, which is why we bring in an incident management team. Two overdoses, three babies at 1992 gathering. The 2006 gathering in the Route National Forest's Big Red Park near Clark drew 10,000 to 15,000 campers. The Forest Service had 42 members of its National Incident Management Team watching the gathering and reported 218 citations in the weeks before the July 4th holiday peak. By the end of the event, that number would top 500. Forest Service officials told the Denver Post they spent about $800,000 managing the event. The 1992 Rainbow Gathering on the Gunnison National Forest near Overland Reservoir above Paonia drew about 19,000 campers. The National Forest, which compiled a comprehensive report following the event, knew the exact location in early June and began working with about 500 Rainbow family members by the beginning of June. By July 1st, there were 4,000 cars parked in meadows around the reservoir. The 1992 gathering had medical facilities and 35 kitchens spread across about 2,500 acres for the gathering. Campers were dispersed into smaller camps aligned with different values. For example, there was a sister's camp, a fairy camp, a Krishna camp, and many camps for residents of specific areas. There's even an A camp for people who drink alcohol, which is discouraged by the Rainbow family. The report counted 310 traffic violations issued by the Forest Service, Delta County Sheriff's Office, and Colorado State Patrol. The report showed 43 arrests, mostly for traffic issues and drugs. Two people were found dead from a prescription drug overdose. The report showed three babies were born during the gathering. A combination of federal, state, and local agencies reported spending more than $573,000 to manage the event. The Forest Service reported about 500 members of the group remained after everyone left to fill in 200 trenches that had been used as toilets and to plant shrubs and grasses damaged during the gathering. 
The damage really is minimal, and our assessment is no long-term or irreparable damage was done, Forest Service spokesman Matt Glasgow told the Rocky Mountain News after the event. The New York Times wrote about the first gathering near Strawberry Lake above Granby in July 1972. The event, which was on both private and Forest Service land, was billed as a religious festival, and about 3,000 people walked more than seven miles up to the remote location. Colorado's Governor John Love promised to prevent the gathering, but the blockade collapsed as thousands of young people hiked across the mountains to get there, reads the article. Local lawmakers in Grand County hastily assembled rules around sanitation and large gatherings in hopes of blocking the event. A local judge ruled no more participants could climb to the remote parcel in late June, but was ignored. They'll have to carry us out, a determined young girl told a Denver Post reporter, and they won't have enough jails to put us all in. 2022 Rainbow Gathering Could Bring Destruction to Colorado's Forest by Kelsey Nistel, April 1st, 2022, K99. Colorado serves as the hub for many different unique festivals and gatherings, ranging in diversity from themes like multi-day music fests to renaissance fairs and even cannabis celebrations. While most of these large gatherings are good for Colorado's economy and tourism, one that's currently planned for this summer has residents feeling a very opposite way. The 2022 Rainbow Gathering is expected to take place in Colorado and is predicted to bring approximately 30,000 people to the Centennial State. The unorganized group gathering has been happening for 50 years and has occurred in Colorado before. Since it has taken place in Colorado previously, including in Route National Forest back in 2006, officials and law enforcement know what to expect, and it's not good. Participants set up camp on public land and the counterculture festival lasts for weeks, sometimes even up to a month long. In years past, the hippies who are a part of Rainbow Gathering have caused extreme damage to Colorado's backcountry and forest lands. This is ironic in that the gathering is aimed to celebrate nature and life, yet the massive crowds wind up leaving the land completely destroyed. Tree branches are broken and used for fires, plus rangers are left to clean up excessive amounts of human and animal waste once the gathering is over. Even when the group has been denied permits in Colorado due to environmental and safety concerns, they've gone forth with the gathering regardless. During their time in Route National Forest, the group tallied up hundreds of violation notices issued by Forest Service officers. Some of these included drug-related charges as well as illegal occupancy and use of a national forest. Although Colorado has been selected as the rumored location for the 2022 gathering, the exact location has yet to be revealed. Some Reddit threads are hinting it could possibly take place somewhere near Walden, Granby, or Golden, but those are just speculations. Another huge worry about the event taking place in the Centennial State is the risk of it poses for fire danger, especially in the backcountry or forest. Plus, in addition to having a negative impact on Colorado's important natural resources, residents are also concerned about the potential of criminals coming to the state. The Rainbow Gathering was held in Carson National Forest in New Mexico last year. Rainbow Family May Infiltrate Grand County This Summer by Tracy Ross, Sky High News, April 1st, 2022. Multiple Colorado newspapers are reporting on the possibility of the Rainbow Family, which bills itself as a loose-knit group without leadership or organization who gather on national forests to discuss political and environmental issues, pray for world peace, and celebrate life, holding its annual gathering in Grand County this summer. 
The Sky High News spoke with representatives from the Grand County Sheriff's Office, the Grand County Commissioners, and a local fire agency, and were told that as the family doesn't choose its summer site until a council later in the spring, it is too early to know with any certainty where it will be held. The Sheriff's Office added that it is engaged in preliminary discussion with the United States Forest Service as the event would most likely be on public lands. Our local, state, and federal partners will be prepared should the event materialize, and we will strive to minimize the local impacts it could bring to our community. One Sky High reporter attended the 2006 Rainbow Gathering in Route County, and with on-the-ground experience, has insights into how these events unfold. We will draw on these insights as we continue reporting on this developing story. In the meantime, we will report on facts in an effort to avoid spreading potentially undue stress in the Grand County community. The U.S. Forest Service is the lead agency in this matter, as these events have historically taken place in its jurisdiction. In early March, the Forest Service released a statement saying that should the event take place, we will bring in a significant number of additional resources to assist with this event. As the Grand County community continues to recover from the devastating 2020 wildfires and the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic, the advantage that we have is knowing about this potential event. This gives us ample time to work together to plan and prepare for it. With Rainbow Family Gathering 2022 potentially to be held in Colorado, Forest Service explains what they do to monitor. A location has not been confirmed, but rumors point to the gathering taking place in Grand County, both the Sheriff's Office and U.S. Forest Service acknowledge. Nine News by Louis de Leon, April 2nd, 2022. While it's not yet confirmed, rumors swirling around social media suggest the 50th anniversary of the Rainbow Family Gathering could take place in Colorado, and local and national office officials have taken notice. We are aware of the likelihood of the 2022 World Rainbow Family Gathering happening in Colorado and the possibility it could take place in Grant County, said Grant County Sheriff Brett Schrotlin in a statement. While it is too early to know with any certainty, it is our understanding that historically the location of the gathering is not determined till after their spring council in June. He adds that they're in preliminary discussions with the United States Forest Service as the event would most likely be on public lands. Our local, state, and federal partners will be prepared should the event materialize, and we will strive to minimize the local impacts it could bring to our community, the statement read. The Forest Service actually has a specific incident management team to handle monitoring the events while partnering with local law enforcement wherever they take place. Nine News sat down with that team's public information officer to better understand their experience with the group's gatherings and what to expect if it indeed comes to Colorado. What is the Rainbow Family Gathering? Hillary Markin with the Forest Service has been with the National Rainbow Incident Management Team since 2019 and helps monitor the event with their safety plans. So they're a loose-knit group of people who typically gather on national forests to kind of pray for world peace, celebrate life, discuss political and environmental issues. That's kind of what our understanding is of the group, she said. Reportedly, locals near where the gatherings happen look down on the Rainbow Family Gathering participants because of the amount of time they spend on natural lands. The people within the group have been described as hippies, and hundreds, of and hundreds of violation notices have reportedly been issued by local authorities. The first gathering took place in 1972 in Grand County, suggesting that for its 50th anniversary, the group would set up there again. In 2019, the gathering took place in northern Wisconsin, and there was a gathering in New Mexico in 2021. Come June, Markin said the group will hold its vision council where the location is usually announced. 
in recent years, the Forest Service expects anywhere between two and 10,000 people, but Markin says it depends on the location and how easy it is to access that location. We do have criteria that we typically look for when we're working with them. Most of those that have been there before are aware what we're looking for, and they ultimately, you know, they're by and large peaceful group. They want to learn about the local area and work with us to protect it, Markin said. However, a large gathering in a natural forest in Colorado comes with risks, Markin acknowledges. Risks. Typically, a group larger than 75 people would need a special use permit from the Forest Service. But because there's no governing body or a single leader for the gathering, Markin explained that it poses challenges. An organized group that has a leader, you know, then you come to the National Forest and apply for a special use permit, and then we work through the special use design criteria to see, is this event going to be permitted on the National Forest? What kind of stipulations will be put in place? And we issue you a special use permit if we can agree upon the different criteria that we're looking for, she explained. Instead, they treat the gathering as an incident. Just like we would for a fire or all other risk incidents, we bring in an incident management team that's familiar with how these work and really focus on protecting the natural resource and protecting the visitors that are on the National Forest, Markin said, acknowledging the environmental risks that come with a large gathering in the forest. Trees are always a big concern of where is all this waste going to go, and so we've got design criteria of how to deal with those waste. How far away from water sources, all of that, those specifics go in to try to protect the natural resources. And then we have our law enforcement officers and our resource protection folks out there making sure that they're complying with that design criteria, Markin explained. Like, what areas would we say no to if the Rainbow family would like to go to a certain area? There may be a protected area or wilderness or something like that, and we would restrict them from going there. Regarding wildfire concerns, Markin says they're usually prepared for a fire risk, and staff is heightened when there is a fire risk. Depending on what the fire danger level is, we have fire staff happening on the forest just naturally. That's an automatically occurring thing. But we know we have an incident happening. If we know that fire danger is higher, we will set up that staffing level so we're connected, she said. Markin brought up an example from 2019 when her team explained to gathering goers about milkweed, an important plant to the monarch butterfly, and she recalled several members going around trying to protect those plants. When it comes to parking, Markin explained that the event turns into a sort of traffic operation. So that's a big thing when they do choose a location is thinking about parking and traffic flow for the incident. You know, if it's a one-way-in and a one-way-out situation, where is it safe for cars to park to maintain ingress and egress in and out of that location? So we put up no parking signs, so it becomes kind of a traffic management thing, she said, adding that they make sure a path for emergency vehicles is available. While the team has prepared year after year, they usually don't get much notice where exactly the gathering is planned. The guessing game. As officials keep a close eye as to where the event will be, Markin said it's usually pretty difficult to pinpoint in advance. And so it's really challenging to decipher what's real and what's not when you're reading the different sites and areas until they actually put out the, you know, this is where Vision Council decided on and here's where we're going to land. You don't get much information, she said. Markin shared a story of 2019 where they had established the incident management team at a spot they thought they would be, but were actually 50 miles away since the group had moved at the last second. And they chose a great spot where they ended up, but we were planning for them to be about 50 miles to the south originally, and then they came up north further, Markin said. Overall, Markin said a plan will be in place for when the group announces its location. We work with the forest where this incident is going to occur, and we put a resource protection plan in place as if it was a special use permit, she said.
Let's start with this. Who is the Rainbow Family and what's the big deal? So they are a loose-knit group of people um, who typically gather on national forests to kind of um, pray for world peace, celebrate life, um, discuss political and environmental issues. That's Hillary Markin is with the Forest Service's incident management team specifically formed to follow them. They expect anywhere between two and 10,000 people to show up for the annual summer gathering. The last time they were in Colorado, 2006 in Route County. One of the few ways that people could keep up with the group was through a subreddit that's been set to private. But the Forest Service is preparing for it to possibly end up in Colorado once again, specifically Grand County, where the first ever gathering happened in 1972. For them, the exact location is sort of a guessing game every year. But it makes it really challenging for us to plan to work with them um, to get a resource protection plan on the ground. But when the plan is set, they always treat it as an incident. Just like we would a fire um, or other all-risk incident, um, we bring in an incident management team that's familiar with how these work and really focus on protecting the natural resources and protecting the visitors that are um, on the national forest. A main concern is a bunch of people in one spot of the forest when Colorado's wildfire behavior has kicked up in recent years. If we know that fire danger is higher, we will up that staffing level. So we're connected. We call kind of resource protection officers out there on the ground that work with them. We try to educate them. Um, to, again, it's all about protecting the natural resources um, that they're utilizing for this gathering and leaving as minimal impact as possible. That's the understanding of both the Forest Service and Grand County Sheriff that there's something called the Spring Vision Council that's held around in mid-June, and that's where exactly the location is announced for where the gathering will be. Officials keep a close eye on that, and then they deploy resources as soon as they know. Steve, they also treat this in part as a traffic operation, putting up no parking signs, among other things. Yeah, no parking for this. And at this point, Luis, they must know that law enforcement knows about this. They certainly do. Not a surprise anymore. It's what the Forest Service calls a non-sanctioned event. Basically, groups bigger than 75 people have to get a special use permit, but because there's no one single leader or really a governing body for this, it's hard for them to really plan or implement that, so they prepare for the gathering instead. It will be interesting to watch their response. Luis de Leon, thank you. The Rainbow Family Gatherings, they started in Colorado dozens of years ago. This year, it'll reportedly be back. And we spoke to an attendee who says that they're going, or they're planning rather, on having 80,000 people gather in one of our forest lands. Listen to what he had to say about what this event is all about. And we call ourselves a family, though we're not related by blood. We're, we're related by our common goal and our common interest in prayer for world peace because that is what the Rainbow Gathering is entirely centered around. Harris Show has been to Rainbow Family Gatherings for 12 years now. He, along with thousands of others, they typically gather for an entire week. This year, they plan to do that between July 1st and July 7th. They say they haven't chosen the forest land they plan to gather in just yet, but they have chosen our state. And despite being an event focused on, quote, praying for world peace, these gatherings, they've been controversial in the past. Coloradans who've gotten word about the gathering being here say they worry about that wildfire danger, even cleanliness. But Parisho says these are concerns that are currently being worked out. We do a lot of liaison work with the National Forest Service, both with the law enforcement end and with the uh, the natural resource end to make sure that we're um, being careful of uh, sensitive environments in the area that we're going to be in, whether that be wildlife or uh, plant life or uh, a, a fragile water source. 
So he reached out to the U.S. Forest Service. They heard about the gathering potentially being in Grand County and said in part, quote, this is not a permitted or sanctioned event. The Rainbow family has consistently refused to comply with the permit process during national gatherings. We want to assure the community that we are working with our partners and cooperators to prepare for the possibility of a large extended gathering in Colorado. And we also reached out to Grand County officials as well as state officials. Both say they're aware of the possibility of this event being in our state. They say they plan to ramp up these coordinated efforts with other agencies as we get closer to that expected gathering date, which again is in July. In Denver, I'm Veronica Acosta, number seven. The Economics of the Rainbow Family of Living Light by Patrick Brower for Sky High News, April 9th, 2022. There's a business angle to the imminent return of the Rainbow Family of Living Light to Grand County this summer. Press reports and hearsay are stating that the family is planning a 50-year reunion of its first gathering in Grand County, which took place in June and July of 1972. That gathering, which has also become known as the Strawberry Festival, because much of it took place at Strawberry Bench, has achieved the status of near-mythical folklore among the legends of Grand County's past. And now the Rainbow family is coming back. As they say, past is present.